here for a great dedication service and a great ministry in the message. Brother Brim. Thank you. Or as I look at little fellows standing here, <laughs> mothers with their little darlings in their hands, fathers, I'm thinking of the time that I was preaching about the other night when Mary stood along the line with her little Christ child in her arms. She got that child from God. That's where you got yours, too, was from God. He's just as interested in your child as he would be in any child because it's part of his creation. Now, in the Bible, we always tried our church to follow the rules and regulations of the Scripture just as close as we can. Some people sprinkle the little children for infant baptism. I never did find that in the Scripture. I don't believe it's scripture. The only place that we ever found in the Bible where Jesus touched the little fellows and blessed them and said, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom. Now, uh, it would take us quite a time to take each one individually, but you know, our hands doesn't mean so much after all. It's his hands that we want on them. Fathers and mothers, God has given you this precious little jewel that you hold in your arms. And you know, I trust that he'll let you live to raise these babies. And if Jesus tarries, I trust that in your arms you're holding little singers and evangelists and pastors and preachers and prophets for the days to come. Who knows? God alone. Our duty is dedication. These little babies, that you hold them in your arms, I want you to feel this in your heart that you're presenting these little babies back to the Creator who gave them to you. God gave them to you, and they're precious. Now you give them back to Him with all your heart. Thank the Lord. Brother Sullivan here, one of his reasons of his conversion, I don't know whether he told you or not, is the cause of a child dying with uh, diphtheria. A father, back in Kentucky, from the early days of Pentecost, Brother Sullivan was a judge in the city. And a father had taken his stand to trust God for healing for his baby. And he's just a new convert, I believe a bootlegger, a moonshiner or something, had just been converted. And the baby took diphtheria, which in them days is death. But the father said, I'll trust God. And so they come down into the city to get judge here to sign a statement to go arrest that father and put him in jail and take that baby by force to medical aid. So the judge started to say he ought to be thrown in jail. So he grabbed his pen to sign the declaration of the warrant, and when he did, the Holy Spirit moved on him. So don't you sign that. And he started again to sign it. He said he thought he's free. He something said, don't sign it. And the attorney said, what's the matter, judge? But I just don't believe I want to sign it today. And he took it over to the squire, and the squire signed it. So some of his friends being in the city run across the mountain and told the father of the child, they're coming, the little child laying lifeless. They're coming, and they're going to arrest you and throw you in jail and take that baby to the hospital. And this daddy walked in there and got his dying baby, put it in his arm, his arm, held it up and said, God, you gave it to me, take it, because it's just a newborn babe. If they come across here, there'll be a shooting, and I don't want to get mixed up in anything. You gave it to me, and I'm trusting you. Take it. 
Now you take it back. You gave it to me. You take it back. And as he said that, the little baby turned over to father's arm and said, Daddy, let me down. I'm hungry. And when they come, the authorities come to get the baby or to get the father. Said, we're going to take him, take that child to the hospital. Said, go out there in the yard. We're all playing ball and tell me which one had the diphtheria. Take the one that you think had the diphtheria. The judge has become a preacher. That same God who could spare the life of that child can bless the life of your child. He's in your arms now. Let's just hold him to God and ask God to bless that child and get his purpose out of his coming on earth while we bow our heads just a moment. Now, mothers and fathers, in your own simple way, in your heart, in my simple way, let's dedicate these children to the Lord our God. Oh, God our Father, these mothers and fathers who are standing here with this little bit of love that you have given them, these little babies, some of them little bald-headed and some of them with long hair and beautiful little girls, they're all precious little jewels that have come to make the tie of the home tighter, little subjects of your domain that you've granted unto these parents to raise. They're standing here before the altar of the living God. And I pray thee, Heavenly Father, that your hand of mercy will rest upon each of them. As them fathers and mothers hold those little ones up to thee, may the great hands that lay upon the head of those little ones that come to him in the days gone by, may those hands, those scars by nails, May they bless the life of each of these. Thou hast said in the word, you say to this mountain, be moved. Believe what you say is being done. And as your servant, Lord, and as these people your servants, we say to the great Holy Spirit, take the lives of these little ones into your hands. If there's sickness among them, take it away. And Lord, may they live such lives, if there is a tomorrow, that they will be the men and women who will pass the gospel to the world tomorrow. Grant it, Lord. Hear our humble prayer as we dedicate them to thee. In the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless each one of your little ones. Give us long, happy lives. Tonight being the closing service, I'm anticipating on a great climax in the healing services tonight. I believe this will be one of our greatest nights. And now this afternoon, I thought instead of preaching to you, I would like to give you a missionary talk. I think they've taken an offering this afternoon for foreign missions. I'm completely sold on foreign missions. I believe in it with all my heart. Now, we do not know each other, but just as brothers and sisters. And I thought this afternoon, as it's coming over, frankly, I was going to preach on a subject 
the first thing at the water brook. But I, something has changed my mind. And I thought I'd talk to you about missions and what I know, just what we call a heart-to-heart -heart talk with each other about foreign missions. Before we do this, let's just ask God to bless the reading of his word now. Lord God, this is your word, this is your people. Now bless it for its intended purpose, for thou hast said it will not return to be void. It will accomplish that which it was purposed for. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves with the word to thee. Amen. One reason that the word and missions is always right, I want to read it here out of the Bible. The last commission that our Lord gave to his church. Mark, the 16th chapter, beginning at the 15th verse. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they shall take up serpents, and if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and set at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the words with signs following. Amen. This is one of the most outstanding missionary texts that could be taken. You know, in our words, the first commission God or Christ gave to his church was heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, raise the dead. As freely as you have received, freely give. St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. The last commission he gave to his church, these signs shall follow them that believe. Go ye into Jerusalem, into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. The white man, the black man, the brown man, the yellow man, the red man. To every creature, the gospel is good news. To every creature. How long was it to last? Unto the end of the world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Now what is the gospel? The word gospel means good news. The good news is the Bible. But the Bible is the letter. The letter killeth and the Spirit giveth life. So Paul said the gospel come not through word only, but through the power and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now notice, the only way that the gospel could be preached then would be to manifest the power of the Holy Spirit. Then what's the next quotation? And, a conjunction, these signs shall follow them that believe. Now these signs may follow them, they ought to follow them, but they shall follow them that believe. Then. 
strictly speaking, a man cannot qualify himself as a believer until this has happened. No church can have the right of calling themselves a believing church until these signs have followed them. That's what Jesus said. What is it doing? It's making the word manifest. Now notice, some time ago there was a young boy who he told his mama, he said, Mother, I have a calling to the ministry. And if any real mother would be, was very happy. And she said, Oh, my son, if you are called to the ministry, I wish to do everything that I can to make it a success. So she began to look through religious magazines until she found the greatest name in religious magazines that she could find of the best seminary that she could send her young son to. That's the heart of a mother. Then when she did that, she washed over a washboard to send him to school. So one day she became very ill with the flu. It went from the flu into pneumonia. And both lungs became congested. And she sent a telegram to her preacher's son some 2,000 miles away and said, Stand by. If I'm not better by morning, the doctor said, You must come home at once if you wish to see your mother alive. Way down in the city, they were having a little prayer meeting in a little storefront, a little mission. And there, while they were in this little mission preaching, some of them got a revelation from the Lord that there was a sick woman. A lady come up, knocked on her door, and she said, Madam, while we were in prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit told us that someone was sick up at this house. And I wonder if that be true, if you would care, if our pastor would come pray for you. And she said, not at all, dear. The doctor says that he can do no more. So they went and got the pastor and brought him up. He anointed the woman in oil and read James 5.14. And anointed her with oil. And then he got to reading the scripture, or the anointing. He turned back to Mark 16, where I just read. And he read that to her. These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. And this, that faithful little mission preacher laid his hands upon the woman and commanded the disease to leave her body because that God had given the commission. And the next morning she was up cooking her breakfast. About a year later her son came home after greeting his lovely mother. And he said to Mother, there's been one thing that's been on my heart. I want to ask you something. When you sent me that telegram and told me that stand by that you were going to die with pneumonia if you wasn't better the next morning, and I never heard from you for about a week, and I got a lovely letter said that you were well, tell me just what drug did the doctor give you? Somebody didn't give me any. He said he would have put me under an oxygen tent. And when he come back the next morning, the Lord had healed me. Oh, he said, Mother, 
said, yes, said, honey, you know, down there by the corner of the alley, where that little mission is, little Pentecostal mission, said, yes, said, they come up here with a story and read to me out of the Bible that, that people were supposed to pray for the sick and lay hands on them and they'd get well. And said, you know, that pastor prayed for me, and the next morning I was completely healed. And he said, now look, mother, he said, that's awful nice. He said, but that didn't heal you. He said, God doesn't heal anymore like that. Oh, she said, son, you're too late to tell me that. He's already done it. And, uh, oh, he said, mother, said, that, that was in the past days. Oh, she said, son. The pastor read me some scripture out of the Bible. Said, Mother, didn't he read from Mark 16? Said, Yes, that's what he read. Oh, he said, I tell you, Mother, down at the seminary, we learned that Mark 16 from the ninth verse on is not inspired. The mother said, Well, hallelujah. Oh, he said, Mother, you're beginning to act like that mission bunch. Said, You. You shouldn't act like that. She said, well, honey, I was just thinking of something. Said, do you mean to tell me that the scripture from Mark 16, from the ninth verse on, is not inspired? Said, that's right. She said, well, glory to God. Said, mother, what's the matter with you? Said, I was just thinking, if God could heal me with uninspired scripture, what could he do if that really was inspired? <laughs> Oh, it must be glorious. But it's all inspired. It's just we're afraid to put our faith out there to meet God's challenge. That's all. And in this, these signs shall follow them that believe unto the end of the world. Not just for apostles, but to the end of the world. And as long as there is a world and a people to be preached to, these signs shall follow them that believe. Not long ago, to a friend sitting here, that's a friend of this man, and his name is Paris Reedhead, maybe in the building this afternoon. He came to my house, and he wanted to ask me about this. If anyone knows him, probably many of you know Paris Reedhead. He's the president of the big Sudan mission, one of the biggest missions in the world. And he said, Mr. Branham, he said, I had a calling of God when I was just a little boy. Said my faithful old mother put me through school and said to make the best preacher that God could have. And said when I got my doctor's degree, I thought I'd find Christ. Said I didn't. Said when I got my bachelor's degree, I thought I'd find Christ. On and on. He said to preacher. I've got enough degrees to plaster your wall. He said, and where is Christ in all of it? I said, it says, has the teachers been wrong? I said, I wouldn't want to say they were wrong. That degrees are all right, but that still isn't Christ. It's just a degree. And he told me of a story of an Indian boy that was over here for his education. On his road back, he met Mr. Reed as it's going out, he said, now you've got your education, son. You're on your road back to your homeland, to India, to become a worker. 
He said, I understand that you're a Mohammedan. He said, I am. He said, then why don't you forsake that old dead prophet and take a living Jesus back with you, one that's raised from the dead? And this Indian boy was just a little smarter than Brother Reed had expected him to be. Then he kicked his foot on the ground a moment, and he said, Sir, listen now. What could your Jesus do for me any more than my prophet can do? He said, they both wrote books. You call yours the Bible, we call ours the Koran. Both of them made promises, and we believe that promise. That however, Muhammad only promised life after death, I believe it. Jesus promised life after death, you believe it. So he said, what's the difference in it? Now, don't you never think, because you can argue with the Methodists or Baptists about their religion or the Pentecostals or Nazarenes, that you never hit that foreign field down there. They know more about what they're talking about. So you don't think a witch doctor will challenge it? Just try it once. You better know what you're talking about, too. They can do so many tricks and wonders, they'll make their head swim. And this man said, well now wait just a moment, said, your prophet is dead and in the grave, but our Jesus has raised from the dead. He said, Mr. Reed, that's what you believe. He said, but we don't believe it. He said, we believe that your Jesus is just as dead as our prophet. And he said, but we have the evidence of his resurrection. Mr. Reedhead said. He said, well, what is your evidence? He says, he lives. So where's he at? He said, in my heart. And the Mohammedan said, and Mohammed is in my heart. Just as much as Jesus is in yours. He said, but you see, sir, said, we have happiness and joy by knowing it. He said, now, just a moment, Mr. Reedhead. Mohammedan religion can produce just as much psychology as Christianity can. Brother Reed had said he knew that he hadn't met no overnight man. He knew what he was talking about. He said, and besides that, Mr. Reed our Mohammed never promised one thing but life after death. Your Jesus promised that your teachers would do the same signs that he did, and promised that if he resurrected from the dead, he'd be with you, living with you, doing the same things he did. That we're waiting to see that happen, we'll believe he raised from the dead then. They know more about it than 90% of the Christians in America know. See, when you go to, that's why I took this afternoon for this. When you're going to talk back, it's not jumping up and down and running while see Muhammad at the feast of the prophets take a lance and run it through their chin up through the nose, screaming, Allah, 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 and pull it back out, not even drain it, not a drop of blood fall from it. I've seen him sit on the floor and swing back and forth, screaming, Allah, 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 and get up and take spinners and run them under their fingers and pull them back out and never even frown. I've seen one in Switzerland, Zurich, Switzerland, Get such a frantic work up 
until he took a sword and put it here and run it through and come out the back. A doctor doubted it. He had challenged him to come to the platform and said the sword was hollow. Poured water in this and it poured out the back of him. Pulled it out, laughed and walked away. Worked up. Your blood is in such a condition. Such a psychology. But he said, your Jesus said, He that believeth on me the works that I do shall he also. And Mr. Reed said, you've probably been reading Mark 16. He said, that's one place. He said, well, Mark 16 is not all inspired. He said, what kind of a book are you reading? Said all the Koran's inspired. And it makes me sick, he said, to hear you people that call yourselves Christians saying this word means this and that means this. You don't even know what you do believe. Was he right or wrong? Sure he was. Said you don't, you take part of it, you just make it fit your own doctrine. A heathen. Saying to a Christian. And he said when you Christians get to a place that we see Christ living in you, then we'll believe he raised from the dead. Mr. Reed had said, I kicked the dust and changed the subject. What was it? A defeated Christian. He said, Brother Branham, I'm here today to ask this. He said, I've seen the Pentecostals kick the seats out before and break up the branches. He said, but have they got anything? Reed had was a Baptist as myself. I said, yes, Brother Reed had, they have. He said, have they got the Holy Ghost? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, we Baptists have too. I said, if you did, you've got it after you believe, not when you believe. They believe you get it when you believe. Paul said in Acts 19, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? I said, I can stand a little wildfire and kicking furniture over before I could sit in an old church for cold to a spiritual thermometer to go 40 below zero. I'd rather have a little wildfire than no fire at all. And we Baptists are only painting fire. What good would it do to tell a freezing man? See that big beautiful picture? That was a great fire that burned 2,000 years ago. Go warm yourself by Painted fire will not warm. What we need is an experience of the same Holy Ghost and fire. That warms the heart and defines the words and does the things because that same spirit lives today in all this power and unction it ever had. Where we've made a fatal mistake as not following this commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel and demonstrate the power of the Holy Ghost to every nation and every people. What have we done? We went and built schools, organized people together. Make them, well, they don't believe this like we do. Don't associate with them. Don't go around the churches. We've had great schools. We try to educate the people to it. You'll never come any closer to Christ by education. If anything, you'll go farther away from Him. I'm not saying this. I'm in a schoolhouse. I appreciate being here. And I'm not trying to use crutches to support my ignorance. But the greatest indebtedness that the Lord Jesus Christ has ever had on earth. It wasn't bootleg joints. It was schools. 
That's a hard one to say. But search the history and find out if that isn't true. Captain Al Farrar, head of the FBI, called me into his place. He was a Baptist. He said, Brother Brennan, I'm a Baptist. But I haven't got what you're talking about when he's down in shooting gallery. He said, I appreciate your talk. I made similar the same remarks. He took me into his office to show where every juvenile delinquent was in the United States. Where did we find them? The most delinquent. Where the criminals come from? Not down in the poor people, but in the smart and educated. They think they know more than God. You get to that place, you're lost. God doesn't come from education. God comes from, the, from accepting a principle that's his son, Christ Jesus, and being born again. The eternal spirit of life comes into the man, not by educating him, but by him accepting the Lord Jesus as his personal Savior. But we went and tried to educate the people to it. We tried to shake it in them at the altar of holiness and Pentecostals. We tried to baptize it in the different modes of sprinkling, pouring upside down, and Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Jesus, and all these other different things. But it doesn't come that way. It's a personal experience to an individual to witness the power of the resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ, in your heart. That's exactly right. That's where we fail. This Indian said to Mars Reed or to Paris Reed, he said, Sir, you've had 2,000 years to prove that Jesus raised from the dead. And he said, Two thirds of the world has never heard his name. And here we are. Well, we're Presbyterian, we're Baptist, we're Pentecostal, we're Nazarene. And here are we. And that little black boy is an African dying to hear the story once, any time. Oh, it burns your heart. A man can never go to the mission fields and return and be the same man. When I went there, I thought, well, I'll just go over and see some of the animals. But when I seen the souls of man, little black boys just as dirty as never had a bath in their life. Grab up an old piece of the meat, maggots all in it, just eat it just the same. And then laying there naked. I want to say this with respect to you women and you men. But when those heathens came into the meeting by the tens of thousands times thousands, just as naked as he come into this world. Nothing but a little cloud hanging in front of them, about six, eight inches square. There those ignorant women didn't know which is right and left hand and mud in their hair and bones in their ears. And when they seen the power of the resurrection of Jesus, when those women walked away from their young girls and old women, no one told them to put on clothes. They folded their arms like this to get out of the presence of man. And how can we start these stiff-necked Americans call our 
ourselves Christians and every year we take off four clothes. When a heathen receives Christ, he dresses up and puts on clothes. What's happening? Young ladies standing there, just in the bloom of life, naked, they didn't know it. That was the more shame to them looking at your hands. Young 16, 18, 20-year-old girls, mothers with their babies, nursing, and not 20 feet from where I was sitting, a mother give birth to a baby while I was talking. Another lady just helped it. She just picked the baby up and started nursing. The baby went on, listened to me preach. And those young ladies standing there, fully formed and developed women, And when the Holy Spirit came, no sooner than it struck them, they covered themselves with their arms. The Holy Spirit brings realization of nakedness. And then you people call yourself even Pentecost. And you women who ought to know better, you stick yourself in these bathing suits and little old shorts out here in the backyard, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Civilization, she's swinging backwards. And brother and sister, I don't say that to, to be crude or rude, brother. I say that because it's the gospel truth. People there that's willing. And then we put our efforts here in the States. On the platform that afternoon at Durban, we're going to return again in a few days by vision. And when there's people, there's no way of giving out prayer cards. Billy lost his coat and shoes and everything, trying to give prayer cards. Him and a couple of men. I said, just take the missionaries and get about four or five out of each tribe. There were 15 different languages. Now you can imagine trying to preach when I'd say, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, this will go, truck and he took, that meant Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Other make some kind of a whistle sound like a bird. That meant Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The next interpreter, he maybe make some kind of warble with his shoulders tongue. You know, I've heard people speaking in tongues and Pentecostal meetings, which I want you to know. I believe it. But the people have misused that gift. Exactly, it's not been set in the right place. I believe every gift that God gives us to the church, but we can't go haywire just on one. There's more. And I used to think one sounded so much different from the other. How could it all be the same? But the Bible said there's not a sound of what has a significance of some kind. I believed it when I heard that. All different kinds of chatters, and every one of it had a meaning to it. Every sound has a meaning to it. That day on the platform, many doctors was present. 150, 200,000 people gathered in a race course. And the first one come up was a Mohammedan woman. And I said to her, why did you come to me if you're a Mohammedan? She had her red dot as pure blood as I said, why did you come to me? She said, I believe you could help me. I said, why didn't you go to your priest? She said, I believe you could help me. Well, I said, I don't know yet. But if the Lord God, who raised his son from the dead, 
She said, I believe in the Lord God. Sure she does. They're Ishmaelites, you know. She said, I believe in Lord God Jehovah. But she said, we're taught that Muhammad is his prophet. I said, Jesus is his son. And Muhammad's in the grave, but Jesus is raised in the grave. And he promised the same work that he did that we do also. She said, if that comes to pass, because of the interpreter, then I'll accept Jesus as my Savior. What is it? That's what our Lord was speaking of here. Go into all the world and demonstrate the resurrection, the power of the Holy Ghost. She said, I'll believe that. Said, your, your lady, your husband's a little fellow. He wears a black mustache. She was in the doctor's office, a Muhammad doctor. Last week he told you had a cyst on the wound. She rattled it off and the interpreter said, that's every word the truth. Thousands of Muhammad stood up to look. And just in a few moments, she said, then I'll accept Jesus as my Savior and healer. When I've talked to missionaries who had been in among the tribes for 30 years and talk about one precious soul that converted the Muhammad to Christianity, whether you'll never do it by passing tracks, you'll have to follow God's instructions. There's an Afrikaans boy sitting right here looking in the face. What we call missionaries is the sickly sight. Go over there expecting to have a beaten path somewhere. What do you find? Living in the best hotels and air-conditioned Cadillac going out to a compound of passing tracks. What we need is some Holy Ghost-filled missionaries sent not from some church or denomination, but from heaven from the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Exactly right. The next one coming to the platform was a young white woman. She could speak English. She's Afrikaans. And it told her, said, lady, told her what her disease was, but said, make ready for death. You're not going to live but a little bit. She said, do you mean that little tumor on my breast to kill me? I said, I can't say I've seen your funeral service just now. And thus saith the Lord, death is at hand. Walked off the platform, went back, was talking to her husband, and dropped dead right there where she was sitting. If I'd been a healer, I would have healed her. But there's only one healer. That's God. The next time was a pitiful sight of a little black boy. He belonged to the Zulus. Now I want to tell you little children something, you little girls. You know how they get a drink of water? Look all around, see how many crocodiles is looking at them, and then reach down while I was there. A crocodile got a little girl, just a little bloody water. Down she went, and that was all. A little fellow was getting a drink, the croc grabbed him by the foot, and he ran out, he ran back in, took a stick and beat the crocodile off, and he ran out on the bank. Crocodile come again and caught the little fellow and took him back to water with only one leg pulled off of him. Took him back to bed until he got soft in the bank somewhere in the Give one a little ice cream, he dropped it quickly, he said, it burned me. That little black fellow has just as much right to eat where coals is my child or your child is. We rake off enough in our garbage cans to feed them. No wonder communism has taken the country. It's the way we've treated them. That's exactly right. That's not half the Indian. And the little fellow was hideously cross-eyed. 
That was the fourth stage. He was hideously cross-eyed. And I said, now, to heal the little lad, I could not. But it'll be according to his own faith in God that'll heal him. But uh, his little life could not be healed. Just then the Holy Spirit comes. I said, this boy come out of the Christian home because in his little hut with the thatch roof, I see the picture of my Lord hanging on the wall. I said, his mother's a thin woman. The Zulus are great strong people. And I said, his father is a young man, yet strong. But they're Christians. And away back about a city block, the mother and father stood up as soon as the Zulu interpreter got it to them. That was true. I said, but now to heal him, I couldn't heal him. Notice, just as I looked, his little eyes were just as perfect as mine or yours. I looked again, and I said, anyone can see the little lad has been healed where he's studied. I passed him off the platform. I heard a big bus back there at the back. There's a British doctor there. And Brother Bowsworth and them was trying to get him off the platform. Said, you can't go up there now. The brother's under the anointing. He said, but I want to speak to him. I turned around. I said, doctor, what's the matter? Brother Bowsworth turned him loose. Brother Baxter, come up on the platform. He said, I want to ask you something, Mr. Branham. He said, I believe in God. I believe God in these lilies. And sisters, you talk about lilies. You ought to see them. Some of them are 18 inches across. Big cow lilies, yellow and white. The platform is decorated greatly with those big lilies. He said, there's a God of life in them lilies or it couldn't live. He said, but Mr. Branham, what did you do to that child? I said, I've never done nothing. You were closer to him than I was. He hasn't been in 10 feet of me yet. He said, did you hypnotize that boy? I said, doctor, and the British Medical Society give you license to practice medicine and know more about hypnotism than that. If hypnotism will straighten that boy's eyes, then you all better practice hypnotism. Said, what did it do? Brother Baxter caught him in the shoulder. I said, just a minute. He said, Mr. Branham, I believe that there is a God. But is he tangible enough to make that little boy's eyes come open? I put him on the platform. Well, I said, he's in your hand now. Said he was hideously cross-eyed there, and he's got his sight. Something happened between there and here. Uh, he said, what was it? I said, between me and him is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit made his eyes straight. He scratched his head. I said, now, if you want to believe me, all right. If you don't, that's up to you. I started on. He said, just a minute, Mr. Brandon. There's a big mic attached here way down through the racetrack. He walked up there. He said, then I accept that Jesus is my personal Savior. And when I met him at Johannesburg, about six weeks later, out on the course where 30,000 people would come out to say goodbye to me, that young doctor threw his arms around me and said, Brother Branham, God give me a call to the mission field and begin to speak in other tongues while he had his arms around me. A British doctor, sure, speaking in tongues. He didn't know he was going to do it. He just put his arms around me. And he said, my God, what's happened to me? I said, now God qualified you to go. Get going. That afternoon, there come a boy. 
Billy Paul, my son, and him helped lead him to the platform with a chain around his neck. Not even mentally right. I said, look at that poor creature. Of course, if I could help him, I'd do it. I can't do it. But his life cannot be hid because the angel of the Lord is here. And when he began to tell about his condition, I said, now here, one thing is on his mind, he's worried about a brother. He's got a brother that was hurt by either a yellow goat or a dog. He was riding on his crippling in his legs. He's got two sticks under his arm. He walks his crutches. But I said, thus saith the Lord, I see his brother healed. And I heard a scream way down the city of Lockermore. And here come his brother with the sticks over his head, screaming to the top of his voice, God had healed him a city block away. That's the gospel that Jesus is speaking of. And I looked and I seen the man. I noticed again, I was going to pray for him, pass him on through. I noticed something like a blue shadow above him. Kept watching him. Now, after a while, I seen him standing there. His head back, standing straight. It's a disease that gets into their spine. Tommy, you know what they call that? Makes them kind of walk on their hands and feet. And I, I didn't know if it crippled him up. And the, oh, it was terrible. Standing there, almost naked. But I seen just above him that he was healed. I said, Lord God, this is the hour. I stopped a minute. I said, how many of you people here that will serve the Lord God if he'll give this man his right condition? Or as you can see, the hands is up, black, white, yellow, brown. And when we prayed for the boy, he couldn't understand it. thought I wanted him to do a dance like he does for the missionaries when they come in. You know, clowning, dancing. They all want to do a little war dance. And took him by the chain and lifted him up. And the God of heaven restored him back. He stood there and the tears running off his cheeks and hit on his back belly. Not only was he healed, but is in his right mind. And 30,000 blanket heathens broke their idols on the ground and accepted Jesus Christ as personal Savior at one time. Twenty or thirty years for one soul. The hour has come when God's sending his man into the fields. Hours come when Christ is revealed. I was on my road down. Just one more little story here. It's on my heart to tell you. I was in a train one night going down to Houston, Texas. And in there I saw a little boy. I mean, Miami, Florida. A little boy laying dead where a lot of trees rattled out together and rocks. And his funny-looking haircut. Great big brown eyes turned back. His feet was through his socks. The automobiles ran wrecked on the side of the road, and he was dead. His little body just one great big mass of broke up bones. I thought, well, who is that? And the vision left me. I went on down, there may be people sitting here. I explained it, told the people, get ready, write in your book. Write in the flower leaf of your Bible and see if it comes to pass. Somewhere a child, about eight years old, Got dark brown hair, brown eyes, funny haircut, little short panty waist pants on. I said, he's going to be killed. And I guess 30 or 40,000 Bibles was packed. You might have read the article in the Voice of Healing. How many knows the case before he was saying anything about raise your hands? Foretold before it happened. 
not after, but before it happens. There, in that case there, there's a little boy got drowned. They brought me out. Father wouldn't let the undertaker get him. I went out and I said, that's not the child. That's a well-dressed child, real cold, black-headed. That isn't him. Two years later, way up in Sweden, Norway, Finland, I was coming down from Kotio. That's up at the land of the midnight sun, was having a meeting. Those little boys up there, no more than kids, right after war, and they never shaved. Some of them little boys were over 15 years old, great big old long coats and boots. The women all downtown, young women all gathered together, no man. The Russians had killed them all out in the water. Out peaching hay in the field, not with shorts on, great big thick skirts, big boots. Some of the finest people you could ever meet. Them fins. Real loyal. And as I standing up there, Brother Lindsay, all the about thirty ministers is there, I said, Something's fixing to happen. I can just feel it. So what is it, Brother Dan? I said, I don't know. They begin to take pictures then. Is it the angel of the Lord near? Can we get the picture? I said, I don't know. But something's fixing to happen. Bear me record. Down the hill we come, we notice something. Now, gasoline sells for about two dollars a gallon. At the meetings, would there be forty, fifty thousand people? There would probably be three or four cars. They all took caribou's on sleds, walk any way they could get there. But there laid about a nineteen and twenty-five, thirty model Ford, or maybe a little later model than that American-made Ford wreck. About five hundred people standing around. And two little boys had been coming from school holding each other's hands. And this car, about 60 miles per hour, whirled around the bend, and the little boys didn't know which way to go. One started one way and one the other. The driver, trying to dodge him, hit one little fellow under the chin with his bumper or his fender and threw him about 30 yards and smashed him against the tree. The other little boy rolled right over him like that, and the wheels kicked his little body about 20 feet across the road in a grass flat. The car went over the hill and ran. Brother Lindsay and them got out. They looked at it. He come back weeping. Sister Isaacson got out, my interpreter. She come back weeping. Said, Brother Branham, you ought to go look at it. I said, oh, no. I can't. I said, you remember my wife died when I was just a young preacher, about 24 years old. I buried her, my baby. We only had one little fellow left, and that was Billy. I walked around with his little bottle in my pocket. At night, we didn't have enough money to get fired to keep his bottle warm. I put it under my head. That's the reason he's with me today. I, I've been popping Mama boat to him. That's what I promised her when she was dying. And I kept his little body warm, his little bottle by my own body. And then he was about 10 years old. I said, I got a, my own little boy over in America. I, I, I just can't go look at him. I ain't seen Billy now for about three months. I just can't look at him. And something said, go look. I walked over and he had his little coat laying over his face and they pulled it down. Oh my. I turned around and started walking away. I don't know whether you're going to believe this or not. That's between you and God. Something put their hand on my shoulder. I thought it was Brother Moore. I said, what? Well, there's nobody around me. And the hand was still on my shoulder. I thought, what is this? And someone's hand ran on my shoulder. And I turned to the child. I happened to notice that little foot, legs all broke up, his little foot running through his big old ribbed black stocking. That looked familiar. 
I said to the chief man, which was the mayor of the city, could this waiting for the father and mother to come out? I thought, oh my, what will that little papa and mama think when they come and see this baby laying here mashed up? The other little boy, he was alive, so they rushed him to the hospital in a car. So this little boy had been dead about 30 minutes. They're waiting to get his father and mother before the undertaker moved him. I said, could I look at that boy again? They raised up his little coat. And I looked. Them little brown eyes turned back. That kind of dark brown hair. Little tanky waist. His feet to his socks. I looked around. There come a hill coming down from the trophy mountain. Evergreens. Rat rocks. I looked back and I thought, that's him! Oh, brother! I may never meet you people no more to glory, but I wish I had the strength this afternoon to explain to you what a feeling that is. All devils out of hell couldn't stop it. It's not if you believe or this or that or the other, it's already done! God said so. I looked at that that's him. I said, brother Lord, brother Lindsay, Come quickly. I said, get the flyleaf from your Bible quick. What's the matter, Brother Branham? I said, read the flyleaf. Thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that a little boy between eight and ten years old, his description, be laying in a place where rocks are wrapped together with cedars and evergreens. I said, what's that, Brother Branham? I said, look at the child. Look at that, the rocks. He said, it was that him. I said, that's him. Oh, my. Oh, God, get the church from that place. Let me stay in that place. I said, you speak right quick, just rise again, interpret for me. I said, if the Lord God in the land of America, two years ago here in Israel, on these brothers' Bible leaves, if that little boy isn't on his feet alive in five minutes, I'll leave Finland with a sign on my back, false prophet. Oh, it's such a wonderful thing when you know what God's going to do. I had them together. I knelt down and said, Lord God, if you would like to get the details of this from the mayor, I'd give you his address. I said, Lord God, in our homeland, you did speak of this vision. And I know your great predestinated will is already finished. So death did back this boy's life. God, who's my solemn judge before this Bible this afternoon, that little fella jumped to his feet just as normal as he was an hour before he got here. That night at the meeting, you couldn't even, they had the militia out there. Now, I want to tell you something. You remember, it was only two miles from the Iron Curtain. And when that went across all down to the, uh, Russia that afternoon on the radio, when I come that night, there stood those communist soldiers for city blocks, standing there with that Russian salute. The tears running down the cheek. They said, we will receive a God like that who has power. What's the matter? You Protestant and Catholic went up there and took all their money and put it in great big buildings and failed even to produce anything more than the rest of the world had. These signs shall follow them and believe. No wonder the poor former church talks against it. God said last night, it's a sign that will be evil spoken of. That night in the meeting, I shall never forget. I can have about ten minutes longer. We were bringing the people in the line. 
There were a great pile, you notice in my book, a pile of crutches and sticks that were, you couldn't pile on this platform. That's the people that throw it away. You have to drive out a few thousand, some more come in. And as I started into the building that night, I was walking real slowly, and two little soldiers in front and two in back with their swords holding out like this, keep the people away from you. As I walked into the building, the girls' dormitory, there's a little thing, door closed, and I looked, and here stood a sweet little girl, about the age of my little Rebecca now, about 10, 12 years old. One lady, you see the picture in my book, about that much shorter than the other, and she had a great big brace around her. She had a strap in the toe of her shoe that went over and went across and hit this big brace back here. And this shoe was built up with a brace on each side. She couldn't move that little leg, so it had to be a complete brace so she wouldn't go down like this. And every time she'd move, she'd have to take her little shoulder and raise up that foot and shove it, and then make her step. And her little underskirts, her little dresses, was ragged. Her little hair was all chopped up, her little baby pale face. And when she looked at me, they'd been told not to stop me on the street. I love little kids. I'd wait for Brother Baxter and him all that afternoon service, and I'd get that old money and go out there and buy a little candy, and I'd have a string of kids uh, two blocks long for me, throwing candy to them. And here she was, and she thought she'd done something wrong. She ducked her little head, she had two crutches. She'd take these crutches and set them out, and then her little shoulder, she'd lift up that leg and throw it out, and that's the way she walked. And I seen her, she thought she had done wrong, so she ducked her little head down as if that not noticed me passing by. Something on the inside began to move. I looked at her, and the soldier behind me, I couldn't speak a word of sin language, so he motioned to go on out just a minute. And the child looked up, and I motioned to her like this. I knew she wanted to come over there. Of course, she was crippled, she's at the meeting to do so. I motioned to her. She looked at me and I nodded my head, yes. And she cut her little crutches out. She raised her little leg up. She made a step and she looked again, childish like. I just waited, never said a thing, so she got right up close to me. She looked up at me in them little bitty pale baby blue eyes. I found out later she's a little Finnish war author and she didn't have mother or father or nobody. She's living in a tent with some people. Her mama and papa had been killed by the Russians. This old crude-looking brace that they made her. I just stood and thought, what will that child do? I couldn't speak to her. She reached down and got a hold of my coat. She kissed my pocket. Put her little skirt out like this and said, Keep this means thank you. Oh, God. Just standing in front of me, I saw the little child with them braces off when walking. I thought, oh, if I could make her know it. I said, sweetheart, she kept saying, Jesus, the tears running down her little pale cheek, Jesus, Jesus. I said, honey, oh God, I said, the Lord got it. Oh God, let me speak something. Uh, you're healed. And just then they come, a bunch of soldiers, come on, and I'm son only believing I had to go push me on to. And just at the close of the service that night, my brother come to me and said, that's enough, that's enough. You got another service tomorrow night. I said, oh, look, how many cards did he give out? I said, oh, they give a bunch of cards, you can use them tomorrow night. Then nobody could understand the English. I said, just call a few more. And I said, give me from prayer cards, so-and-so to so-and-so. 
And by God's grace, Robin, she was the next one in the line. Here she comes. I said, Sister Isaac, and just say what I say, interpret. I said, Sweetheart, you're the little girl that met me. I found her in the hall. Jesus Christ has healed you. Go over there and sit down and let some of the ushers take that brace off of you. While I called another, here she come across the platform, both legs the same, that braces over her head, screaming to the glory of God. Thousands of sins fell on their face and gave their life to the Lord Jesus. Cold former church members become born again. Christians, what is it? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. These signs shall follow them that believe. If God's interested in a little thing, he's interested in an American. He's interested in a little black boy, yellow boy, brown boy. He has to remain God. Why can't we get the starch from our necks? Why can't we get the theology that we've been taught that the days of miracles is past and follow what Christ said? He said, let every man's word be a lie and mine be the truth. Upon this rock I'll build my church in the gates of hell can't prevail against it. So is you, your brother. I say on Christ the solid rock I'll stand all other grounds is thinking fast. If I die in the field, I want to go with a shield in my hand. I'll be 49 years old next week. I'm not no kid. I'm going to be an old man. These shoulders that used to stand in the ring, the muscles that used to be tight, getting old and soft. There's a big place set before me called death. I know it. And it's time my heart beats that one beat closer to that place. Someday it'll take its last beat. And I'll have to go into that dark place called death. Here's one thing I want to do. I don't want to go in as a coward. When I know my last hour has come, I want to wrap myself in the robe of His righteousness. Going into this, one surety in my heart that I know Him in the power of His resurrection. That when He calls from the dead, I'll come out from among those who are dead at that great day. My friend, is that hope left in you this afternoon? No matter what church you belong to, how many prayers you said, how many candles you burnt, how many Hail Marys that you screamed, it's all in vain unless you know him in the power of his resurrection. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let us bow our heads. Great, mighty, and Jehovah, thou bear me record of these things that I testify. Thou knowest them to be the truth because thou did perform them. And Lord God, who raised up Jesus from the dead, thou can quicken every unbeliever in here now to a real life faith in him. Many people are sending here, Lord, who is just nominal church members. They belong to all different kinds of churches, the Pentecostals and the Nazarenes and the Methodists and all different denominations. And oh God, they've never crossed that line yet. Some has never accepted you at all. 
And may the Holy Spirit bear record that I do not say these words to let them people think that any personal thing of myself, because thou bear record, Lord, of sinners. One even born out of season. So many of these gray-headed men and women sitting here that preach the gospel when I was a little sinner boy. But, oh, Lord God, thou hast given the privilege of my eyes to see your glory and to help express it to those who are in need. God grant this afternoon that the Holy Spirit will thrill every heart in here and will bring to them a realization of the need that they have. Give to them Christ this afternoon who desire it, Father. Hear the prayer of your servants. May the weary hearts that come in and the unbelieving and doubting hearts go out happy and rejoicing. While we have our heads bowed, all in here who wants him, would you raise your hand to him? Say, Lord, God, be merciful to me. Make me a real Christian. God bless you. That's good. All down through this middle aisle. The aisle over on the other side. Oh, yes, for many hands. The balcony. All that young children up there. 10, 15 teenagers with their hands up. To the left. All right over to the right. There how many over in this way. Put up your hands. Say, God, be merciful. Make me a real, genuine servant of Christ from this day on. And I promise to be yours, Lord. Help me just now. If I can't go to the mission field, help me to put a, have put a burden on my heart to pray for those who are in the field. It'll be a counter to you for righteousness. God bless you. God bless you all around. That's right. Sinner friends, with your hands up, asking for mercy, there is room at the fountain for you. For there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins when sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty stains, that dying deep rejoice to see that fountain in his day, there may I go far as he wash all my sins away. Ever since by faith I saw that stream, that flowing wound sublime, Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. When this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. God bless your little heart there, honey. A little girl no more than two years old. Wave your little hands, your little black eyes looking up. Oh, my. If God can speak to a little baby like that, how about cruel, cold-hearted sinners. You know what's the matter? You've pulled your heart through so many old true story magazines and so much old Arthur Godfrey stuff on the radio and television so it becomes so black and callous so the Holy Spirit can't even speak anymore. What a disgrace, that little baby. You say she don't know what she's doing. She might not know, but the Holy Spirit knows. Did not he say, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not? For such is the kingdom. Before we offer prayer, would there be some hands who have never put their hands up? Would now say, I believe, Brother Benham, the whole gospel, I surrender my all and my all to him. Here's my hand, Lord. I'm not holding it to your servant, Brother Branham. I'm holding it to you, Lord. You put my name on your book this afternoon and let me live for you from this day on. Some that hasn't put their hand up, raise your hand, will you? God bless you. God bless you, lady. God bless you, young girl. God bless you back there, sir. You, you, you over there, lady. 
up in the balconies there in the rear. God bless you. All around. All right, now, that's good. God be with you. I don't be rude. I don't scold you. Don't mean to. I just wait for him to say something. There may be one person in here that deserves a scolding, and that's the one the Holy Spirit was speaking to. You know where your heart condemns you. Now let us pray for these hands. Some 20 or 30, maybe more, went up. Dear God, they are yours. If they really meant that from their heart, then they're born by the Spirit right now, waiting to receive the Holy Ghost. They are your subject at this minute. For no man can come to me except my Father draws him first. All that comes, I'll give him eternal life and raise him up at the last day. Lord God, they're yours, dear, dear trophies of the message. They're love gifts of the Father to the Son. How can they perish? He said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. They're yours. Let them live for you, Lord. Let them, if they are, I know they will, find a good church. There be baptized of their membership and their work for the body of Christ until death shall set them free. And someday, Lord, when we come down to the river, and how do I know that there's not men and women sitting right here now and never return to their home in this earth? A heart attack, a wreck on the road, some drunken driver smash into them. We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Now, Lord, put their name on your book. If I found grace in your sight, put their name on your book, Lord. I won't be able to shake their hands just now, maybe never in life, but I will someday. When it's over, by your grace, I will. Oh, put the missionary on the minds of these people. How we just proselyte and pull from one church to another and think of the millions that are dying today that's never even heard his precious name. Open up the gates in Africa, Lord, in different parts of the country. Put burdens upon preachers' hearts to support them to go where the hours are closing. Damn it, Father. They're yours now. I give them to thee. Someday, Lord, I got to come to you, maybe today. But one day I'm going to close this Bible. It's right time for me. I'm realizing that, Father. I'm going to pray my last prayer. And when I come down to the end of the road, and I feel the breakers of the Jordan hit me in the face, I want to look back down through every broad patch and every hill that I climbed and take the old sword and stick it in the sheath of eternity, take off the helmet, lay it down on the bank and scream, shut off the lifeboat, Lord, I'm coming home this morning. My ministry's finished. Let me go in peace, Lord. May I meet my friends, other millions over there. For time has ceased and eternity is going forever. The days are hot. The sun is setting. Civilization is dying. Jesus is coming.
God, awaken us quickly. Rise and shake yourself. Not pinch our bodies, but pinch our souls to wake up. For it's later than we think. Heal the sick and the afflicted, Lord. Oh, God, may tonight be such a night that there won't be a feeble person in our midst. Granted, bless us now as we get ready to adjourn for another meeting. Soon, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Just a moment more of your time. Billy, did you tell me to announce you go to from the stage and give out the prayer cards, some of them? 630. 630, where's Leo? Gee. Give him some cards too, so he can get them give out that quick. All right. <clears throat> 630. Notice. I was thinking in my prayer, how many feel real good? Just raise your hands and all. That's the same one. I love him. Everybody. I love him because he loves me. I just my Just now, I never noticed it. So just now, I see one of my brothers in flesh, Doc. I call him Doc Edgar. He and his wife sitting right. Raise up your hand, Doc. My brother, my own blood brother. That's there. Him and his wife and brother and sister Woods, David. You may be talking the other night about a boy that had had some kind of twisted leg. His father was a Jehovah Witness. You remember that? The boy standing right here now. Raise up your hand, David. Would you just walk out there and just say, I don't want to make a show of you, David. Here's what God does to a twisted lady. Not even touching, setting in the meeting. Just walk up this way, David. There's a boy with a leg that was twisted under him. Come up here. I, I, you're a good-looking boy. We all want to see you. I know it. That's his mother. Which leg was it, David? You <laughs> don't know that. Glad to see you back, David. This boy's leg was twisted under him. The Lord God sitting way back farther than this building is now. Healed his leg. Doc, you're the better looking of the brand. Walk up here just a minute. <laughs> All right. Brother Burns is standing back there too. I remember. How many got that picture of the angel of the Lord? Here. His wife, while Doc's are coming, uh, his wife was, he was in the hospital dying of cancer. Doc, I'm glad to see you. I'll take you. And um, so they, his wife was in the hospital. I guess Brother Neville's already been introduced. Uh, Brother Neville, the pastor from the tabernacle, standing right there. You've been introduced, have you, Brother Neville? Bring yourself up here on the platform, man. Brother Neville, here's a Methodist pastor, pastor in my Baptist church. <laughs> but we are Methodists and Baptists who have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This boy's in Asbury College. Oh, that's fine. Now we got a lot. How many here from Jeffersonville? Is any more around here? Raise up your hand from around the church. Oh, yes. I see Brother Beeler, another preacher back there from Jeffersonville. Oh, great angles. Just get him up here tonight. Introduce them all. I want to say this about Sister Burns. She's in glory now. 
That is Banks Woods and I, both of us from Kentucky, we were squirrel hunting. Something called me from the woods. That's the boy's daddy. I thought, what's the matter? We had to go home. I said, I don't know what I'm home for, Brother Banks. I was trying to get a little rest. I said, I'm going over to Suckhead to buy some shells. And we really can shoot targets. So we went around. I said, Brother Banks, he's from Kentucky. I said, you ride around the corner. I'll go in Suckhead to get the shells. He's going to come in and change stop on that street. He rode around and around and around at the wrong place. And I was standing out there. I thought, well, what's the matter? Where's that guy at? In about 30 minutes, I happened to notice he's way down in the city block going around the street. Oh, I thought that guy was raised in Louisville. Well, don't we know where he's at? He's passing right by. See, if Chuck Pitts is not there, he makes 10 or 15 rounds. So I run down the street to stop him, and just as he come around, Sister Burns, Brother Burns, would you raise your hand there so they know His wife, he was dying with a cancer on the spleen. I believe it's a Baptist, I'm not mistaken, from Kentucky. And was healed there at the house. He's lived all these years. And um, he was in the hospital with a real bad case of cancer. The doctors would give him up. And his lovely sweet wife, she said, Lord God, I don't know where Brother Branham is. She went and got that picture and set it down on the floor and knelt down. And she said, Oh, angel of God, whose picture is on this paper? Send Brother Branham to me right quick. And she raised up and she said, Oh, I've got to pay my utility bill. She went down in the city miles. She paid her utility bill and sat and laid around the corner. And just as she got to the corner, I was at the corner. There it was. She told me about Brother Burns and the Lord God brought him to the hospital. Here he stands today as a witness. And God had Brother Bates going around and around the wrong square, holding us there until God could get us on the spot. He answers prayer. Do you believe it? Say amen. He still lives and reigns. I love these old-fashioned songs, don't you? Let's sing till we meet. Will you do it? Or give us a card, son, if you will, till we meet. All right. God be with you till we meet
होना है Thank you. 